0: Hello, this is episode number 36 of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Ruben Ingber, and I'm your host. How to Hold a Pencil is a show about learning and how mostly self-taught developers and designers got where they are today. I want to thank everyone for listening, and really want to thank everyone who's sent me tweets or emails about how important the show has been. Uh, that, you know, I do it for you guys, I do it for the listeners, um, and it's really important for me to hear from you guys, so if you... Uh, if you have any feedback or information, you could always get me on Twitter, on am at Ruben Ingber, or you can email me at hello at howtoholdpencil.com. If you could go on iTunes and rate and review the show, uh, those ratings and reviews really help the show along. This week, I have another great interview. I spoke to Josh Owens, a developer, entrepreneur, and author who got his start working for Avon. Uh, today, he works on JS, a fairly new JavaScript framework. We talked about learning Meteor, teaching your kids to code, and so much more. Here now is my interview with Josh. Welcome, Josh. Thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, for the people who don't know who you are, why don't you tell the listeners at home a little bit about yourself? Sure.
1: Uh, I'm Josh Owens. Uh, I've been a developer for, I guess, over 10 years now. Um, really started, gosh, so long ago. I was <laughs> uh, I was maybe eight, I think, when we got our first computer and I started doing basic you used to get those uh, magazines in the mail. My my grandfather subscribed me to, uh, it was like a basic magazine or something, and it'd come with a, it'd have like a, a, almost like a Playboy centerfold, but instead there was a program in the middle and like you would just copy it, like type it out on your computer. Um, so I started at a young age. But uh, yeah, so I've lately, uh, uh, professionally, I guess I got into doing Ruby code uh, back in 2005. Um, doing Rails work. And then um, the last almost two years now, uh, I've been doing uh,
0: Meteor, working with Meteor.js. Very cool. So one of the first things I like to ask most of my guests is what is your first memory of the web? Oh, gosh. Um, I remember,
1: like, sitting there, I guess, so... There's kind of two different answers for me. Like, I remember my first experience with AOL, which was kind of before, like, there was a broader kind of understanding of the Internet for most people. Um, and, I, you know, I went over to a friend's house, and they had a modem. And, like, gosh, it was probably 2,400-baud modem. And <laughs> dialing up to AOL, it's kind of ridiculous now when you think about it. But, um, And then I guess it was around... I want to say like 95 or 96 uh you know we got i want to say like a 9600 baud modem and i convinced my parents to get a dial-up account with an actual isp um and i remember doing all the research and you know laying it out for them here's what it would cost per month and you know at the time i was i guess 15 or 16 so you know they i convinced them and they got it and you know, it was, it was pretty freaking
0: awesome. <laughs> nice. So, fast-forwarding from that, figuring out your, your own ISP and AOL days and learning basic, sort of take me from there to getting your start on the web professionally, you know?
1: Uh Yeah, sure. So, for me, um, like, my professional career, like, I, I always loved uh, computers and networking and programming and all that stuff, so... When I was, uh, 17 or 18, uh, got started with running a land party and, uh, kind of got my, my chops there. Um, I, I knew Linux at that point. Like I, I want to say actually maybe it was 94 when we got the internet. Um, i want to say like my, I set up a Linux server, like a dial up shared server and we had a network in the house. My brother and I used to play games over the network and stuff. And then, uh heard about this concept of land party. And so uh, started one here, Southern Ohio Gamers
0: Association. And such, uh, that is such an official sounding name.
1: Right. I know. Soga. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we started doing that and, and we would drive, I don't know, like a half an hour up to the university because they had a ridiculous internet up at uh, Miami university, Oxford uh, here in Ohio. And, So we'd like, we'd all go there and there'd be like 20 to 30 guys that would show up. And, you know, half of them were there just to download, uh, you know, all kinds of like illegally shared files (laughs) and the other half were there to play games. And, but, uh, you know, that was all, that was all me. Like I was designing the network and, you know, I, I built the website and that kind of stuff. And so that was kind of my first start. And then professionally, uh, I got about, uh, I was in my second year of college and I got my first year, uh, paid for, but then the second year, you know, they told me, well, you know, you don't qualify for the grants and the scholarships anymore because of your GPA and because of how much money you've made. And and so, you know, I just decided like, "Eh, I'm not sure it's worth me going or me paying this much money to go. So I, 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 dropped out and, uh, started working, um, at a place called pomeroy here and um they had a contract with procter and gamble which is a pretty big company yeah um and so i started doing des- desktop support there so they had uh i think windows 98 windows nt machines and uh, a lot of laptops and whatnot and so i was like fixing printers and fixing hardware and fixing software and you know they they used lotus notes it was awful but um And from there, like, I was able to transition over to uh, Avon, like, as in Avon Lady Calling. Uh, Nice. Yeah, they had a call center here uh, in Cincinnati, and uh, I I became part of that. And I was dabbling at the time in PHP. I was still running the LAN party. Um, I created a PHP website that integrated PayPal, so you could actually, like, sign up and you could pick your seat. So I I had like this seating chart and you could click on one of the images and it would like pick that seat for you and you could hover over. And I want to say, I don't think there were tool tips back then, but uh, you could see who was sitting in the seat in some way next
0: to you. Like if you picked one, that's very cool. Um, It's like, it's like an original social network before a social network existed. Yeah. Maybe.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, from there, like, at Avon, I, I I just kept, like, suggesting web apps that we could build. And finally, like, one of them, you know, one of the departments that I was involved with said, oh, yeah, yeah, we totally need that. You should build that. And so I was able to just start building an actual web app um, for Avon to use internally. And uh, that seemed to go okay. Um, and that was probably around 2003, 2004. Uh, And then, you know, my, my then brother-in-law at the time, he was the one that got me involved in PHP. He's like, Hey, you should, you should check out this Ruby thing. There's this rails framework that makes building web apps so much more awesome. Like you don't have to mix in all this database connection code into your HTML files. It's, it's actually quite wonderful. (laughs) And, um, and so I gave it a shot and, I was impressed and I, I built – I built a website for Avon with it uh, and then just started looking, gosh, at that time uh, at the 37 Signals job board and found my, my first job listed there. And um, I think it was in September 2005. I uh, I put in my notice and started working from home for a company in New York and started working professionally using Rails day to day.
0: That's awesome. So – Now I want to sort of talk about your learning process and that kind of, and that kind of thing. Um, And more about the confidence to build things uh, and keep pushing forward through, you know, the challenges of learning a new language. Um, Because I think a lot of people will get started and they'll be excited because they're learning something new and then, you know, they'll hit a major um, roadblock or whatever it'll be. Um, And finding out what, finding out how to overcome those is so important. So what, uh kept you motivated to sort of what kept you motivated to go o- to get over any roadblocks that you hit along the way when, whether it was learning rails or learning PHP um or now learning meteor gosh that's a tough question i don't i'm not sure i know what kept me motivated
1: necessarily like i think it's just an intrinsic like interest in The subject matter that draws me to it and keeps me working on something i would say the like when you get stuck and and when you have trouble like knowing who to turn to or who to ask questions like maybe that's something that's valuable to know as well like finding a good spot like when i started there was no stack overflow but i mean nowadays it's like you can just google and most likely stack overflow is going to come up with an answer for you and i mean uh I, I, uh, I was a partner at a business called Gaslight. They're a software development shop and, you know, we did pair programming. We always used to joke like, Oh, there's a green check Mark. That's the right answer.
0: <laughs> so, um, obviously you're big in the meteor space. Why don't for listeners who don't really know what meteor is, why don't you give sort of a brief overview of what meteor JS is?
1: Sure. So I would say, um, you know, if you're familiar with
0: Rails, or, or maybe you're not even
1: familiar with that, that's like a, a framework, and it, it brings some libraries together and, you know, helps you. They've got this whole convention over configuration thing, so, you know, uh, all the configuration's done for you. Just follow these simple conventions, and you should be able to get started quickly. And um, I think, uh, for me, Meteor is kind of in that same vein, but they actually, they actually they actually took a huge step forward in that they've become a platform, not just a framework. And I think, to me, the difference is, you know, the fact that they've got the back end and they've got the front end completely integrated. And, you know, uh, when I'm looking at the docs or reading, reading through the API docs, um, you know, the, a lot of the calls that I can make in the back end server code are the same calls I can make on the the front end client side. And uh, that's really nice. Um, But the you know the big things are it's no js on the back end it's all javascript on the front end you've got similar or uh exactly the same type of apis on both ends um and it it's using more modern technologies to kind of marry the the front end and the back end together so you have things like um ejson which is just an extension of json i think the e even stands for extended or something like that um and they've added some date stuff and that kind of thing and they use that for serializing uh, the data, and they send it using uh, Dynamic Data Protocol. I think is is what it stands for, but it's just DDP. And uh, they create a WebSocket, and and so like when you need data from the database, there's just this WebSocket open, and you know you just kind of like push it down from the server to the client. So you load this little bit of HTML and this little bit of JavaScript, and then from there, like as you need data, it's just coming down through WebSocket uh, using a more modern kind of technology. And you're you get um, you're able to build these real-time uh, applications, which I think are very interesting, and they've been traditionally much harder to build. If you look at something like Rails, you've got to go outside of Rails community and start looking at Ember or Angular or uh, Backbone or Knockout or something like that. And you've got to you've got to work your own kind of integration in order to get that working with Rails. And so to me, like you get with Meteor, you just kind of get all that. And then the beautiful thing is, um, right before 1.0 came out back in August, they just decided to add Cordova support. And so all of a sudden, I can just say Meteor add iOS or Meteor add uh, Ad Dash platform iOS, and all of a sudden. I'm getting a native iOS app compiled for me and spit out whenever I want. I could go submit that to the to the app store and uh I think that's the that's the beauty of kind of being involved with this this platform is they're able to do really interesting and um,
0: inventive new things with so this. i so I couldn't agree more with you i think uh for front end developers in particular who are already dabbling and playing with JavaScript and getting very good at JavaScript. Um, This is a fantastic platform for them to sort of take their web development skills to the next step. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me personally, I mean, before the winter break, as I like to call it, I was, you know, really dabbling and building and working on something in Meteor and it was happening so fast. And I think that helps people who are learning new things um, continue learning because you're seeing your results. So if somebody was fresh to Meteor, you know, they have a front-end background and they have JavaScript, you know, pretty down, what uh, or how do you recommend them getting started to learn Meteor? Like what steps or what products are out there that are, you know, excellent to learn Meteor with?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, so I, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I've given a couple talks and training classes and that kind of thing. And, you know, whenever I, I talk about Meteor, to me, like, JavaScript is that lowest common denominator between the front end and the back end because uh, you always have back end guys that are maybe working with something like Rails and they start to dabble in the JavaScript because their client or uh, their boss is asking them to do something more kind of interactive. Um, and, and then on the front end, you have people like doing the HTML and CSS and you know all of a sudden they know Maybe they're dabbling with jQuery and trying to get things, you know, you click this button and something happens. And so, like, to me, JavaScript is a is a great bridging language for uh, both the front-end and the back-end uh, type people to come together and really be able to, to start mixing their chocolate and peanut butter, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, the Discover Meteor book is a must-have, in my opinion, uh, Sasha and Tom have done an amazing job with that. And, uh, even if you don't buy the book, like go read their blog posts, they've got a blog post that's got like a JavaScript primer on it, uh, that'll help you understand some of the more basic JavaScript concepts you might need for, um, for working with Meteor. Um, gosh, what else is there? There's a, there's a free book out there. Um, man. I can't think of the name of it. uh, it's like first time meteor, something like that. Let's see. Learning resources. So they've got a great, oh, here it is. Your first meteor application. That's it. Oh, nice. Uh, That's it. That's an easy title. Yeah. By David Turnbull. And so if you go to meteor.com slash learn, um, they've done a decent job of listing some stuff. I wish, I wish there were more on here. Um, I wish there were more of my stuff on here, but... (laughs) It'll get there. um, It'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of... Sorry. They've done a good job here, I think, so.
0: I think one of the excellent things about Meteor in the brief time that I've had with it, and I think you can speak to this more, is that the Meteor community or the people that are working on it, whether they're the people who are developing the actual Meteor stuff or people who are developing Meteor apps, um, are really open to talking to people and to helping people sort of figure out... um, where they are. So I'm wondering what your experiences with the community as a whole has been and, you know, any advice you might want to give to somebody who's starting out to get involved in the community.
1: Yeah. So, you know, to me, I, you know, I don't want to knock the Ruby community and maybe this is just where I was like maturity wise and confidence wise back in 2004, 2005, but it felt like the Ruby community was, you know, it was hard to, to break into. And it seemed like you know, there were a lot of people that would, I don't know, like I just, I felt stupid asking questions. Like maybe, maybe my head's just in a different place, but you know, you've got the IRC channel, um, which is, is pretty good. Like it's still, when I got started with Meteor, it still wasn't where I would have wanted it to be. Um, and you've got Meteor Talk, which is pretty decent. Stack Overflow seems pretty, pretty well answered from what I can tell. Um, Gosh, where else to turn to, like, when you're getting started? Um, I've started doing a monthly Q&A session, so usually I'll have um, some other big name in the Meteor community come on, and, like, the two of us will just take questions live. And um, sometimes, you know, based on who I have on, we'll kind of focus on one topic or another. Like, I had Sam on. He's written the Meteor Testing Manual and so we we took a lot more questions about testing than anything else, um, but then last uh, or this month, I had Classcraft on. I had the CEO and one of the lead developers from Classcraft on, and we were talking a lot about excuse me, scaling and um, you know uh, like dealing with a lot of active con- concurrent users and that kind of thing so
0: very, very cool. So as you were sort of ramping up your meteor skills um, what sort of uh what gotchas or um I don't want to say roadblocks again because I already said the word. Um what you know, like what stumbling blocks basically have you did you come across as you were learning, as you were beginning you know, down this road of meteor?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the the number one kind of biggest stumbling block is understanding how the back end works. Uh, especially when it comes to integrating, like, an NPM module. I guess that's for NPM package, I don't know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they use uh, Fibers and Futures to kind of wrap up the asynchronous code to look more synchronous. And, you know, I was familiar with the concept from RubyLand. Like, I had worked with Fibers before, um, so it wasn't completely foreign to me, but it wasn't a well-documented thing uh, when I came into it. There, there's certainly better documentation on it now, but I don't think it's readily obvious that you need to go find that documentation when you're getting started in the back end. And the, uh, I think the thing to understand is that you know, anytime you're working with asynchronous code that's being brought in from, say, Node land. Uh, and used in your server backend, you need to wrap that up in some way, um, because callback spaghetti just, it doesn't work in Meteor by default.
0: Got it. So no, it, it, it's, uh, it's fantastic advice for somebody getting started. Um, so I want to go back to sort of talking about projects that you've worked on and things like that. Sure. Um, You've worked, you've done some stuff for Avon. You've built some Meteor stuff. I'm sure. What's, you know, what's your favorite project that you've worked on in Meteor?
1: Oh, in Meteor, okay. Um, gosh, actually, all of them is that. That's <laughs> that's not an answer. That's a that's an answer one of my kids would give me. Yeah, as I was gonna say, that's a
0: little bit of a cop out answer. Sorry.
1: <laughs> um. So I would say probably the one that's felt the most meteor-ish, like we were able to use a lot of real time components to it um was uh, a site called fantasy hub. That was a lot of fun to to build. Um the client came in and wanted to get something done uh you know in eight to twelve weeks and I think we got it done in like eleven weeks nice. for them. Which what, is now what is Fantasy Hub? Um it's a fantasy sports website. Oh very cool. Uh with a focus on charity giving Um, and so the idea is that a charity can come in and decide, Hey, you know, we want to run a charity campaign. We're going to have a game, uh, you know, for them, we started with the NBA, but now they do, you know, major league baseball and, um, the national football league and all this kind of stuff. But, uh, the idea is that the charity comes in and they'll, they'll say, you know, um, I think, I think fantasy hub takes a five or 10% fee, um, but you know, 90 to 95 percent of the money goes to the charity, and they can decide what to do with it at that point. And so they can say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep 85 percent of it, and we're gonna give five percent away to the winner, or you know, we're gonna do a split the pot where we take the 90 percent remaining after fees, and you know, we're gonna split it down the middle. So if we get 100 people to sign up at uh, five bucks a pop, you know, you have the chance to win. Oh, what's that? 450 divided by two is like 225, right? You have the nice. chance to win 225 bucks. Um, and all you have to do is just play, uh, you know, fantasy basketball or fantasy football. And it's a it's a one-game deal. So uh, you go in there, you've got a salary cap of, say, $50,000. And the players range anywhere from $5,000 up to $20,000, depending on their skill level. And you've got to fill out an entire roster in that $50,000 cap. So you're trying to pick the players that, you know, have the best matchups and all that kind of stuff. Um, And, you know, you, you want to, it's all kind of a gamble. Um, But the awesome part was they were able to get uh, in agreement with sports data API. um, And we were able to make calls like, I want to say every 20 seconds or so. Oh, very cool. So it's, it's rapidly changing. Yeah. And so that's awesome what we did is you know we would we would watch for when the game would start and once a game had started we would we would start grabbing stats every 20 seconds and uh you know we would grab all the stats parse them and then throw it in and like update scores and um you know on your on your screen as you're watching you're seeing all these little yellow blips on the screen as scores are changing and going up and down and excuse me you're able to see like there's a leaderboard with all the people that you're playing against and you kind of see people's names moving around as they're scoring more points and their teams winning and that kind of stuff. And to me that just felt really, really like a a cool demonstration of what Meteor could do.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds awesome. And as soon as the show's over, I'm going to actually go check it out. Um, So for someone fresh to the web, where do you think they should get their start?
1: Uh, I would say, you know, it's funny. um, My son just, you know, he's nine and, uh, this summer, he came to work with me one day and we kind of had the same conversation in the office because we were trying to figure out like, you know, he brought his computer, he carried his Mac Mini in and <laughs> we had a monitor down there for him to work on and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we we started with Codecademy and um, he spent like all, like two whole days just sitting down there working on Codecademy and, you know, we would stop and ask questions and it was a great environment because there's you know, six coders sitting around and we all know JavaScript and you know, maybe I've walked away to go take a meeting and, you know, he asked someone else and they were more than willing to help. And I, I you know I don't I can't offer that environment to everyone, but it was pretty amazing and um but yeah, he started with Code Academy and worked his way through the entire JavaScript course and started working the HTML course that they offer and it's free. I think it's great.
0: That's a awesome. learning
1: tool, um and then from there, you know my my plan is um you know i don't I've got him for him you know he's interested in minecraft and so we may start diving into java um maybe I'll
0: learn that more with him, and we'll build out some um that's so cool I think mods. it's I, I think that's uh really awesome that you're like spending this time to teach your son how to code at such a young age, I think it's great, so um. I guess this is also, it's a, it's a really pertinent question. If you were giving your son, I'm going to use your son as uh you know, as a person, some advice, you know, as he was starting out in the web, what would you, like, what would you tell, or what did you tell him?
1: Um, I didn't really tell him much. I mean, I just said like, you've got to learn JavaScript. You got to learn HTML and CSS. Like these are the basic building blocks. Spend your time learning those, you know? And, through Codecademy, he's he's built his first website. He's learned a little bit of HTML.
0: What's his first website? We're gonna oh, send gosh. him. We're gonna send him a ton of traffic.
1: Oh gosh, I don't even know now. Like you oh. sent it to me so long ago. You're gonna have, have to, have to send it
0: to me, and I will include it in the show notes. I promise. Right. I'll see if I can find. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so this is a question about yourself. If you could go back to yourself at the very beginning when you were first starting out learning development, and really like professionally, de- like professionally learning development. Um, what would you what piece of advice would you have given yourself looking back now?
1: Testing's not stupid and it's not a waste of time.
0: All right. Why do you say that?
1: Um because when I was younger I thought it was stupid and it was a waste of time. <laughs> as I've as I've gotten older, I've come to realize you know, I think the, the short sightedness uh of that statement is that, you know, you don't realize that you're gonna have to own code and there's gonna be bugs and you know, if if you go and you fix a bug and, um, you know, six months later you come back and you tweak that code and you, you reintroduce that bug, that's a bad thing, right? Um, I mean, it not only is it bad for the business or whatever you're doing, but it also makes you look bad because you fixed this one time and you've forgotten about it. And, you know, I think uh, humans as a species can be very forgetful. And so, you know, there's just no... Um, we've talked about this in regards to meteor. Like when I worked at differential, um, I think there's a point at which you can no longer just go through and click test an application because it's become too big. And I think that's somewhere between eight to twelve weeks of development time. And at that point, um, you know, you deploy to a staging site, and you know maybe the the site owners or maybe the designer, maybe you even go and try to click test some things, but You know, everyone's so focused on getting features out the door. You don't really think about testing every little piece of a website. And after you've been working for a year, it's just it's completely unfeasible even to pay one person to sit there and click test the entire site for every deploy. Like there's not enough time in the day to pull that off. So I think automated kind of testing of your application is a must, especially if you plan to go long term with an application.
0: I couldn't agree more with you. I think, I think we as developers spend a lot of time clicking around when we could be focused on other things. And if we built out the testing that we need to test, like if we built out ways to test things better, Mm -hmm. um, I think we, we would boost everyone's productivity and things would help, you know, move things along. Um, so in the last couple of minutes, um, what does the, uh, excuse me, what do you, what do you have on the horizon? What does the future hold for you? Are you working on something big, you know, anything you want to plug, that's coming big. up. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm
1: working on anything big per se, but I've got um, I do have a lot of uh, a few little things going on. Um, I'm doing a mastering meteor class, uh, and I do that usually every two months or so. I run that, uh, and I can have up to nine people in the class. So I try to purposely keep it small um, because I want people to be able to ask questions, but I also don't want to have too many people asking questions and slowing the entire thing down so it's a delicate balance there um, but it's an eight hour course split over two days usually and uh it gives you the opportunity to really dive deep i build a twitter clone uh during those eight hours and um, show off a lot of a lot of different features of meteor so uh, that's one thing uh we may or may not on monday have a uh, meteor testing class where. uh one person short of the break-even point. So if we get one person to sign up in the next, like, two days, we may still have it. Um, and that's just, it's another eight-hour course broken up into two days, and we walk through, you know, testing in its entirety. You know, we show you a bunch of different frameworks, and then we walk you through real live kind of testing and application scenarios. And then uh, I think at the at the end, we save an hour to, to actually just have people throw – real world, uh, testing scenarios at us and we'll walk through and try to build some actual tests. So very cool. And then, then, there's that. And then, uh, uh, gosh, what else do I have going on? I, I've, uh, I started in this thing called eight days of meteor. I was inspired by, uh, Nathan Berry who did, uh, like 10 days of design or something like that. And, um, it's just a daily email that you get with a little bit of homework. And, um, and so it kind of inspired me like let's build the tiniest media app that we can to kind of show off a few features and uh what i do is i send people an email and it's got kind of a couple paragraphs of explanation of kind of the the subject matter for the day like maybe wiring up events or you know how you work with iron router or something like that and then i you know in those paragraphs i give you links that say you know, go spend ten minutes reading this bit of the documentation on the website. And then uh
0: I gotta get I, myself on this list.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just 8 days of Um and you know what what you do is you I, I give you a goal at the end of each paragraph and it says like goal number one, like, you know, build this or do this or you know get get Iron Router working in this way or something like that. And you know by the time you're done with the lesson you've you've fully utilized um, that piece of the code, and I also give you examples of code to go look at so you know I link to things like uh triplet or telescope or you know other open source applications and show you like here's an example of this code being implemented in an open source application because I think the best way to learn is to read other people's code,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: And, uh, and so that, that's kind of the idea there. And I've got a, I think it's $10 for the, for the eight day email course. And then I, I'm thinking I'm going to do like $19 and you'll get, um, each, like the next day you'll get an email that says, here's a link to how I solved the homework. And then I'll have like, a uh, what's the next here $29 package. And uh, that'll include videos as well. So you get a link to the homework, but you also get a link to a video that shows me actually going through the homework and kind of talking through the solution. So
0: nice. And then uh, the last question that I ask everyone is: Where can people find you on the internet? Website, Twitter, et etc. Sure. Uh,
1: my blog is joshowens.me. I try to keep that up to date um, every week. Uh, sometimes I slip because I'm busy, but usually every two weeks at the at the longest. Um, and then t- just twitter.com slash Josh Owens. Um, and then github.com slash queso, Q U E S O. That's a leftover from my uh, LAN party days. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then I guess the other good one is meteorjs.club. You can go there and sign up for my mailing list. I usually send something out weekly, talk about all the stuff that's going on. Like I've got a YouTube channel where I sometimes post things. I do the meteor podcast and that kind of stuff.
0: Very cool. Yeah. All right, Josh, I want to say thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Sure. Glad, uh, to, glad to come on. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, it was a pleasure to speak with, uh, it was a pleasure to speak with Josh. Um, let me know what you thought on Twitter at Ruben Inger. That's R E U B E N I N G B E R. For links and show notes, head on over to how to hold if you have a moment, once again, please rate and review the show on iTunes. I can't tell you how important those ratings are um, to get the show popular. You can follow the show on Twitter at Hold a Pencil, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ruben Ingber. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you all next week.